uh, and then we'll begin reading. Uh, skip the Ephesians one. We'll go right to the First Timothy one, and I'll, I'll come back to that. That way we can save a little time. I kind of run uh, 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 overboard this morning, and, uh, and uh, not that that's a surprise, but, uh, uh, but this is good stuff. This is really, really good stuff. How many of y'all came today to learn? We're here to study, we're here to learn, we're here to grow, and we're going to have a great time. It's already been good to be in the house of the Lord. So let's look in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 14. Uh, today, if you're here for the first time, we've been taking a, an extended period of time going through the Bible and taking each section of the Bible uh, as it came. And today, we are in the Pauline epistles, the Pauline epistles. Now, don't let that freak you out, that word. The, the word epistle means letter. And we know what Paul, Pauline, Paul, all right, the letters of Paul to the churches and to the pastors. There was two pastors he wrote to, Timothy and Titus, and so that's what we're going to cover today. Last week, we were in the book of Acts, and the, the week before that, we were in the Gospels, the four Gospels. So now, we are going to read the, Paul's letters to the churches. Now, if you understand that, say amen. amen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 14. It says, these things write I unto you. What things? The letter. The letter. These things write I unto you, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, now here's the key, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. What is he saying? There is a certain way we should behave ourselves in the house of God. Period. There are some things that we should do, and there are some things we shouldn't do. Amen? And we're going to cover those here this morning. So let's pray and ask the Lord to open our minds and help us to, to, to clearly uh, be able to articulate God's truth today and be able to receive it and understand it and grow in grace this morning. All right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to stand and, and, and deliver your word. I pray, God, as we take this uh, bit by bit, piece by piece, that we will learn and grow and move forward in our Christian walk. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the, the, the letters to the churches and the letters to the pastors. We are going to cover today, Lord's willing, hopefully we're going to try to cover Romans to Philemon. Romans to Philemon. Now, let's talk about the writer first. Let's talk about Paul just a minute uh, and kind of, kind of describe who he is. We met him last week. Uh, when we discussed the book of Acts, we found out Paul was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader who was very zealous. I mean, very, very uh, uh, excited about his religion. He was very sincere about his religion. And he was going about doing everything he could to stop the church. He thought the church was a cult. He thought it was a, a, just a splinter religion, some new religion that was taken away from the true religion, which was Judaism, uh, the old-time worship of the tabernacle and the temple and all that kind of stuff. And so he was really, he was really religious, but he was not redeemed. Uh, he had a lot of religion, but he had no Jesus. And, and he thought Jesus was just a come-by-night come by person and, 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 until he met him. How many of y'all know your life is different after you meet him? 
Uh, you may be going one way, and we know he did meet him. Uh, he was on the road to Damascus to arrest Christians and to bring them uh, into incarceration, and he ran headlong into Jesus. Jesus knocked him off of his high horse and changed his life forever. He became a missionary. He became a pastor. He became one of God's greatest uh, 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 missionaries and scripture writers. Paul, everybody knows Paul, but it started with meeting Jesus. After he met Jesus, things in his life changed. He began to write scriptures. He began to go uh, uh, to, to all different cities, starting churches. I mean, he went to Philippi. He went to Colossae. He went to Thessalonica. He went to all of these different cities, starting and planning churches and doing missionary work. Well, now he is writing letters. He's writing letters to these churches to encourage them, to teach them, to support them, and, and, and help them to grow in the knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing we've got to understand. There was things that God told Paul that he told nobody else. It was Paul's responsibility to reveal mysteries that not even Peter knew who walked with Jesus here on this earth. Let me show you. Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 8. And unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. What is the mystery? Salvation, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, what mystery did he reveal? That salvation is by grace and grace alone. It is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now, now here's, here's one of the things that we need to understand. Paul primarily, Paul primarily had two responsibilities. One is to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. It was Peter's basic responsibility to reach the Jews. It was Paul's responsibility to reach the Gentiles. The second priority that he had and responsibility he had was to teach the church what they needed to know and how they should behave. That's what we just read in 1 Timothy. Now, if you're still with me, say amen. amen. We're going somewhere with this, I promise. Now, how many of you, how many of you today, how many of you today really believe uh, that, 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 that we should obey every command in the Bible? Raise your hand. We should obey, raise it real high. You should obey every command in the Bible. All right, uh, I shouldn't have done that. That's a trick question. That's wrong. We don't obey every command in the Bible. What, what, what? When's the last time you built an ark? When's, when's the last time you sacrificed a lamb? Now, I ain't talking about frying lamb chops. I'm talking about sacrificing a lamb. When's the, last time, when's the last time you stoned a rebellious child? I didn't say that you wanted to. I said, when's the last time you stoned, or, you know? Are y'all with me? You say, why don't we do that? Because he was not speaking to us. God did not tell us to sacrifice a lamb. God did not tell us to build an ark. God did not tell us to stone a rebellious child, even though we'd like to every now and then. That's not that. He was not speaking to us. He was speaking to the Jewish nation. We've got to understand there are some things in the Bible that God was not speaking to us, but then there are other things that he was speaking to us. Now, Paul is primarily speaking to Gentiles and the church. So everything that we read in these letters, he is talking to us. And we got to get that. We got to get it because there's a lot of churches that are mixed up and messed up because they built their theology and doctrine on things that God wasn't even talking to us about. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
we see, we see letters to churches. There's letters to churches. There's nine letters to churches. And then there's three letters to pastors. So he's got two different targets here. He is targeting the local churches, and then he is encouraging two different specific pastors. And then there's one letter to Philemon, and that's an individual in the church, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. So let's talk about the churches. What are in the letters? Uh, what are in the letters that we should know and we should understand? First thing is this. Number one. There is doctrine. Say that word with me. Say it with me. Doctrine. What is doctrine? It's truth we should know. It's truth we should know. The Bible says we need to teach sound doctrine. We need to deal with sound doctrine, pure doctrine, right. That's just truth. Now, there are a lot of people that don't, oh, let's just worship and let's just get emotional, but let's don't deal with doctrine. No, you need doctrine. Doctrine is what gives us a foundation. Doctrine is what keeps us stable. It is doctrine knowing something that keeps you from falling for anything. There's too many, listen, there's too many good Christians who do not know sound doctrine. So every turkey that comes on TV and has something that sounds good, they're swayed this way and they're swayed that way because they don't know sound doctrine. There's some things you need to know. There's some th- listen, you need to know why you need to be saved. You need to know how you can be saved. You need to know what happened on the cross when Jesus died. You need to know about heaven. You need to know about hell. You need to know about eternal security. You need to know about the rapture. You need to know about the return of the Lord. There's some things we need to know. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Why? Why? Because one day somebody's going to ask you, what about this? Or what about that? And here's the key. Here's the key. It's not only important what you know, it's important, or excuse me, it's not not just important what you believe, it's important why you believe it. Well, I believe in this, or I believe in that. I I believe believe in the rapture, I, I believe in heaven, or I believe in hell, or I believe in salvation, I believe you must be saved or born again. Well, why do you believe that? You can't ever say, because that's what the preacher said Sunday. You can't, can't say that. You can't say that. Why? The preacher has no authority unless he is quoting the word. You can never say, because my mama told me so. You can't never say, because when I was five, I heard this in Sunday school. Can't say that. Because when you go into this world, unchurched people, they don't care about your mama. They don't care about your preacher. They don't care about whoever you heard something from. They want to know truth. And you have to be able to say, not because my preacher said, it's because this is what my Bible says. Because here in chapter so-and-so, in book so-and-so, in verse so-and-so, the Bible says, are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. You need to be able to back up what you believe by what the Word says. Why? Peter says this, be ready always to give an answer to any man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. And see, the reason Paul wrote these letters is because he wanted you to know some truth. He wanted to give you what to believe and show you why you should believe that. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now see, we don't like this stuff. We don't. We really don't. We don't, we don't like to cover this stuff. We don't like to deal with this stuff because this is not fun. 
and this is not exciting. And we, we, like to, we like to talk about really cool stuff or what, what, what and we forget, we forget. You need to base, do you realize your, your eternity is determined by what this book says? And the, the destiny and eternity of your friends and family is based on this and could be based on your witness to them. So when they ask you, what do you believe, and you share what you believe, what are you going to say when they say, why? Sound doctrine. Paul gives you truth to believe. Are you all with me? Say amen. Listen, the letters to the churches include doctrine, what we should know. The second thing is application, what Christians should do with doctrine. This is really important. At the end, we're going to bring this up again. It's not just what you believe. It's how you behave. Let me say that over here because they didn't get excited about that. Let's see how y'all do with this. It's not just what you believe. It's how you behave. Because what you believe should affect how you behave. There's way too many churches and way too many Christians whose behavior is not conducive with their belief. Well, I believe this. Well, you sure don't act like it. Preach it. Bishop, preach it this morning. I mean, hunker down right there, eh? I put two shouts in each pocket. I'll use them if I have to. Amen. Is your behavior, or excuse me, your, your belief supported by your behavior? He gives us application. How do we apply this? How do we apply what we learn, and how do we apply what we know? And then it's general, general logistics, just general greetings are found in this letter. Then the letters to the pastors, the letters to the pastors. They, are, they are, are young men who he has trained. Uh, Timothy, he left in Ephesus. Uh, uh, Titus, he left in Crete. And uh, they are having some issues, so he's writing letters to encourage them. So here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. We're going to take and start with Romans. And we're going to go down through the church letters and find out what he is writing to these people. Now, he is writing uh, to the church in Rome, and he is describing, he is describing all about salvation say that with me all about salvation how many y'all need to know how to be saved how many y'all need to understand we need to know that from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 11 it is the plan of salvation in that section of scripture we find out for all has sinned and come short of the glory of God in that section of scripture we find out there is none righteous no not one in that section of scripture we find out for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord in that section of scripture we find out but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us in that section of scripture we find out for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation somebody say amen 
I'm so glad to know that I know that I know that I know that I am saved. Why? Because I have found out in God's Word that I was a sinner. I was a great sinner, but I found out He is a great Savior and He offers a great salvation. Amen. That's where we know that. That's why, that's how we know that we're lost is through doctrine, sound doctrine. Because you got to understand, you can't get saved till you get lost. This is the problem with most people. They can't get lost. They've been good most of their life. They've never drank. They've never smoked. They've never chewed. And they've never run with those who do. So they think they're good. They've gone to church their whole life. They've got a perfect attendance in Sunday school. They've always been there. They know the books of the Bible. But ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter for there is none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't care about your pedigree. I don't care about your background. I don't care about your church attendance. We all come to Christ the same way, whether you're black or white, whether you're religious or an atheist. It does not matter. The ground is level at the cross, and we all need the blood of Christ. Where do we know that? Sound doctrine. Romans 1 through 11. But then after we're saved, we see Romans 1 through 11 deals with the plan of salvation. But then Romans 12 and on deals with the pattern of salvation. What is the pattern of salvation? How you should be after you're saved. How you should be after you're saved. How many of y'all know if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new i'm glad that jesus saved me and i'm glad that he changed me i'm glad that he would take me just like i am but thank god he won't leave me that way roman listen romans 12 verse 1 it says i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind preacher what are you saying I'm saying you're not the same after you're saved. Don't act the same. Don't talk the same. Don't dress the same. Don't behave the same because you are a child of God. You need to stand up and stand out in this world. How do I know that? Sound doctrine. It teaches us what we need to know. You know what? There's so many anemic Christians because they don't know basic sound doctrine. I can prove it. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, you know what he said? He said, God gave, Ephesians 4, 11, and God gave the church pastors and teachers, apostles, apostles uh, pastors and teachers and evangelists, and, and all of these people to minister, to, to, to serve in the local church. He said, he said uh, for, the, for the perfecting of the saints, the word perfecting doesn't mean we're going to be perfect without issue. It means maturing, completing. If you understand that, say amen. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come till we all come in the unity of the... In other words, and, and, and it begins to describe and say this, so that we won't be tossed to and fro by every slight of doctrine, every little thing. How many of y'all know everybody... There's all the time somebody's coming on the TV saying you need to believe this or you need to believe that. And you know what's happening? There are good, well-meaning young people that come and get saved in church and then they go to college or they get around this world and they get around uh, cults that sound good and sounds popular, but because they don't have sound doctrine, because they don't have a good foundation, they are swayed and they're pulled into a cult. 
You know why? Because they haven't focused on learning sound doctrine. Because it's really, it's not, I mean, it's not, we, we I, there's, a, there's a saying. There's a, you know, you have little, how many of y'all know every little culture has its own language? You know, in the coon hunting world, you know, where I, 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 I stay a lot, uh, they have their own language. And, and this is what they'll say. That's what they'll say about a, a dog that's really, really, I mean a hard tree dog. That's real. They'll say, boy, that's a classy tree dog. Classy. That means he's treeing hard, he's treeing loud, and he's up on the tree, not moving the muscle, looking up, saying, Daddy, I got him. Come get him. He's a, he's a classy tree dog. And then when they describe one that's just kind of so-so, you know, just kind of average, just okay. I mean, he's all, they'll say, well, he's not real classy. You know what? This right here, it's not real classy. It doesn't get people all jacked up and emotional. It doesn't get us all, but you know what? This is what we need. How many of y'all like chocolate milkshakes? That's the problem right there. I see it now. I understand. God, y'all need to get saved, people. Amen. Let's, let's try this again. All right, how about chocolate cake? All right, let's flip to another chapter. I got something else I want to pre. How about dessert? All right, all right. Do you realize you can't live on that? That needs to be special. And, and, and I don't even know why I'm going into this. I went overtime in the first one, but I'm going to run this rabbit because this is important. I love going to church when it's way up here. I love going to church when that choir is so jacked up. It looks like they had three Red Bulls before they got up there to sing. I mean, they're just singing, and, and boy, it's exciting, and the atmosphere is all, and boy, I like preaching. I'm telling you, I like preaching when they come out the gates wide open, when they're foaming at the mouth during the introduction, and when the, by the time they're through preaching, half his shirt tails out, and he just looks like he's been fighting bumblebees the whole time. I, I love that. I love talking about heaven. I love talking about joy. I love talking about all these subjects that so, so and we get all excited, but you can't live on that. How many of y'all know fireworks are cool and loud and bright, but they're temporary? There's way too many churches living on emotional fireworks when we need to be chewing on some roast beef and some mashed potatoes and some broccoli. Are y'all with me? Now, ice cream's good, and we'll get to that. But we need sound doc. You need to know what you believe. I'm not always going to be there. And somebody's going to corner you up and say, well, why do you believe that? Well, what do you believe? Oh, oh, no. Let's understand this is important. We need to know why we're saved, how we got saved, how we act after we're saved. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Romans. Romans. He is teaching them all about not only the plan of salvation, but the program and the pattern of salvation. First and second Corinthians. First and Second Corinthians. First Corinthians was really a, a chewing out letter. They had some issues. I mean, if you read if you read the letter of Corinth, you understand them people had problems. There was carnality. There was sexual sin. There was divisions and fightings. They were suing each other in the church. Now, why anybody would want to name their church Corinth? I don't know. I know it's maybe it's the 
a community, but man, this church had problems. And he writes this letter, and it is a, it is a scathing letter. It is a letter demanding repentance and for them to get right. I mean, he is chewing them out. He deals with subjects as, as, such as church discipline. That's when he, he begins to talk about uh, uh, turning his flesh over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. In other words, if this guy don't get right, he was having an affair with his stepmother, and they were doing nothing about it. And he says, if this guy doesn't get right, you turn him over to the devil and let the devil handle it. Now think about that. When's the last time you heard that in church? There are certain TV preachers you won't never hear that from because it's real and it's dealing with issues in the church. See, it wasn't just modern day where churches started having issues and splitting and fighting. It was all the way back then. And this letter dealt with all of them issues. Well, guess what? It worked. They repented. They made things right. So he writes 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is a letter of comfort. It is a letter of restoration. It is a letter of forgiveness. And, and matter of fact, matter of fact, he had to help them not go overboard with the church discipline because the, the guy got right, and he made it right. And he said, lest he be overcome with overmuch sorrow, restore such a one. And Paul taught us that church discipline is not for the sake of kicking somebody out. It's so you can restore them back in. Amen. Are you all with me? Say amen. And they did, and they restored the brother. And it was great. 2 Corinthians is an awesome letter of restoration. Then, then we find not only 2 Corinthians, but Galatians. Galatians, he writes the letter uh, to the church in Galatia. You see, they had some issues. They had some problems because somebody had, had come in and tried to teach them that you not only had to believe in Jesus, but you still had to fulfill the old ceremonial law. In other words, you still had to go to the temple. You still had to offer sacrifices. You still had to, uh, 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 if you were a Jew, or excuse me, even if you were a Gentile, you had to follow the, 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 the rules of being a Jew as far as circumcision and all those things. You had to, you had to do this and that. And, and what, what uh, Paul told them in his letter is don't be entangled again in that bondage. Don't, don't hook up. Don't mix grace and, and, and works because they don't go together. It's important to know you are saved by grace through faith, not your good works, not any other thing that you can add to it. You see, that is religion. Religion says do, but Jesus says done. It is finished. Finished. But you know what? There's people running around saying, you got to believe in Jesus, and then you got to do this, 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 and this. That's legalism. That's bondage. It's the grace of God plus nothing minus nothing. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And he said, don't get entangled in all that bondage. Don't get entangled with all those man-made rules. He deals with grace. Then Ephesians. Ephesians. Paul outlines the doctrine of grace, peace, and salvation. And he instructs the church to walk in a manner worthy of Christ. All through the book of Ephesians, you find the word together. You find words like unity and oneness being together. You see, there was a lot of division. There was a lot of different, different type people in the church. And what Paul was wanting them to understand, we have to be together. We are on the same team. Now, how many of y'all understand that we're in the body of Christ? We're going to the same place. We have the same faith. We have the same father. We have the same, listen, the same function. And Lord's willing, the same future. Say amen. We're working together. And that's what he's wanting to teach them in Ephesians. Then we have Philippians. We have Philippians. This is a church of Philippi. 
And, and it's all about joy. Say that with me. Joy. Joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Help, help us this way, guys. Help us this way. You say, well, it's easy for him to rejoice. He got to go see the third heaven. He got to do this, and he got to do that. But you got to understand, he's writing this letter from prison. Prison. Where he is abandoned. Where he has, he has been, he's basically rotten in jail. But he's telling us, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Now, I need everybody to pay attention to me real quick. Don't let nothing distract you. Everybody pay attention. Everybody, everybody pay attention to me. Watch this. If you base your joy in people, you're going to be disappointed. If you base your joy in possessions, in a bad economy, you're in trouble. We're, we're getting together, we're getting together a, a widow's ministry. We met, we met Friday and had an awesome time. We're trying to get it together. Some folks helping me with this. And there was one thing I saw that really stood out to me. If all of your life and all of your fulfillment and all of your joy is found in someone, where are you going to be when that someone is taken? And see, Philippians teaches us to find our joy and our fulfillment in Christ. In Christ. What does he say? Let this mind be in you, which was also in, in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, are y'all with me? In other words, he humbled himself and, and did everything his father said to be what he needed to be. Where's your fulfillment? Oh, my joy's in my kids. What's going to happen when they move away? When my daughter got on that plane, and I, I, I'm telling you, the last image in my head is seeing her go up those escalators with those backpacks on her back, and I, I almost died. Your children are only there temporarily. They are lent to you by the Lord. He, he owns them. And God is saying, I don't want your joy based in your children. I don't want it in your spouse. That's why so many spouses are having issues and problems that they can't fix because they think everything is fine. I'm not, you don't make me happy anymore. What chapter is that in? I mean, really, what verse says that your spouse is the one responsible for making you happy? You me tell you what you're doing? You're holding them accountable for something they can't do. Because if you're trying to find all your joy and happiness in your spouse, they can't live up to the qualifications of Christ. But if you find your joy in Christ, it doesn't matter if you are in prison. You can rejoice in the Lord always. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Joy. Philippians. Then Colossians. He explains in the letter to Colossians. This letter explains to the church who they are in Christ. They don't have to live up to anybody else's expectations. They are in Christ. And they emphasize the glory of Christ in Colossians. First and Second Thessalonians. This is the last two church letters. First and Second Thessalonians deal with comforting people who are being persecuted. 
and it primarily uses the return of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the clouds. And you know what he said after that? Comfort one another with these words. You know what God knows? You could take granny in, in the nursing home, Granny in the nursing home, you can offer her the keys to a Mercedes Benz and it won't mean nothing to her. You can offer her the keys to a mansion in glow or, or, or a mansion here on a, on a golf course or somewhere. It won't mean nothing to her. You can say, Granny, I just, I just went to the bank. You have $10 million in the bank. It won't do nothing for her. But if you say, Granny, I can hear the trumpet sounding. And listen, the gates of pearl are opening. The streets of gold are there. You have a mansion in glory and Jesus is about to come back. And I'm telling you, business will pick up. When you get your focus all here on this earth, when you get your focus on Fox News, when you get your focus on all the surrounding things, all you have to do is know that Jesus is coming soon. Listen, the second letter covers the same issue, the return of the Lord. How many of y'all are looking for his return? You know, I think, I think a lot of us, a lot of us are, uh, we're, telling a good, we're telling a good tale, but we're not living that way. If we were really looking for Jesus to come back any moment, we wouldn't be freaking out over every little thing. You know, if we, if we really believed that Jesus was coming back real soon, we would have our priorities the way they should be. Are y'all with me? Listen, I want, I want everyone in here to know, soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. And all God's people said, three letters and, and, and we're done, three letters. First and second Timothy, Titus, and then Philemon. First and second Timothy, he's writing to his protege, Timothy, his son in the faith, if you will. Timothy's having problems. He's having issues. Uh, he's telling him to take a little wine instead of water for his stomach's sake. I was wondering, what in the world is he having stomach problems for? Then I started pastoring, and I get it now. Say amen. He's struggling. He's a younger pastor in an older established church, and he's having issues. So he's teaching them about, uh, listen, preach sound doctrine he says don't listen to wise fables don't listen to everybody's idea of what you think it ought to be doing stick with the book say amen Amen. second timothy paul is about to die he's in the prison he's he said i fought a good fight he said i have kept the faith i've run my race i've run my course i've finished my course henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness he's saying son i'm about to die but i'm leaving you behind don't ever forget this i'm charging you preach the word There will be times and there will be days that people will heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. They will not, watch this now, they will not endure sound. Aren't we there? Nobody gets jacked up over this. Everybody wants to hear they're going to prosper. Everybody wants to hear that God's going to have favor on them and they're going to have uh, an increase this year. Try me, turn the TV on and listen to it. You know, we're living in the day where people just wants to be or just wants to hear what they want to hear. Don't talk about this. Don't talk about my sin. Don't talk about my problems. Don't talk. Just tell me what I want to hear. Sound doctrine. Then Philemon. Philemon is a letter to a, an individual. Uh, there's a slave by the name of Onesiphorus. He came to Paul and under the influence of Paul got saved. He was a runaway slave who had stolen from Philemon. 
And Paul is writing a letter sending him back, and he's writing a letter to receive him. And this is what Paul says. Don't receive him as a slave. Receive him as a brother. And then he says this. If, if whatever he's taken, put it on my account, and I'll take care of it. And you know what this verse teaches us? This verse teaches us, this whole book teaches us this, that salvation always brings restoration. And no matter who you are, and no matter what you're running from, God can fix it. And all God's people say it. Listen, here it is. We're going to wrap it all up. All the letters teach us this right here. It's important what we believe. Say that with me. It's important what we but it's important how we behave. Say it with me. It's important how we not only what we but how we not only what we but how we preacher why ain't he behaving right because he might not be believing right please let your behavior back up your belief and all god's people say it let's let's pray father thank you for your word thank you for the